0: John 21, verses 1 through 14. And if you're finding, would you please stand. Verse 1. And after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, of Canaan, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish?" They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, "It is the Lord." When Simon Peter heard that he was, it was the Lord, he put on his outer for garment for, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in the place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask Him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. Amen. Let's pray.
1: Lord, again this morning we want to thank You. Father, we want to come, acknowledging your Your presence. Lord, acknowledging your reign, Lord, recognizing who you are and desiring to praise and honor you. We we pray enable us this morning to offer praise to you, not just with the lips and the songs that we sing, but from the heart, offering you a true sacrifice of praise, worship that is indeed in spirit and in truth. Lord, we're thankful for Your Word, and we ask now, Lord, as we consider this passage, that You would, again, enable us to do this in a mindset of worship. May we look to You for understanding. May our understanding be opened up to receive Your truth. And Lord, may it have the desired effect, Your desired effect, upon our lives as we by Your power and Your Word are made holy, being conformed to the image of Your dear Son. May it all bring glory and honor to You, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Again, do appreciate the song, Dan. It's a blessing. Um, remember, just to quickly, remember Brother Carl as he's out today. Um, somewhere in the uttermost parts. I think he's actually out of oils today, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, remember him, pray for him. I'd also request your prayers. uh, Head out to BDCC this afternoon and pray for Jim McCarty as he prepares uh, to speak to us tonight. Okay. Interesting passage this morning, and I'll, I'll try to um, of course, they're all interesting, aren't they? But I'll try. I think there's a little bit of a, a, a twofold um, thing at work here that I'll try to explain as we as we go through it. But first, let's just deal with the simple historical events here, and that is um, this recording of what John says in verse fourteen is the third time that Jesus revealed uh, himself to the disciples. So let me go back to verse one. After this, now that's, that's after... What we've got here basically is a, um, um, kind of a John wrapping up the gospel here. And so when he says after this, he, he's talking specifically about, about the events that happened in chapter 20 where the women come and they find the tomb empty and then uh, subsequently Jesus reveals himself to, um, first to Mary and then to the disciples, um, Mary Magdalene that is, and then to the disciples... And so now John says, after this or after these things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Now, I want to start by kind of focusing in on this word revealed. And here's why. It's because, uh, because I think it's important. And I think that what, what John is doing here um, as, he, as he wraps up the, uh, the gospel record here is... Um, kind of set before us again the means in which God makes himself known to people. How he reveals himself. And so there's uh, an emphasis I think here on the uh, the power of the presence of Christ in his word, in and through his word. And even through his people, which we'll come back to that momentarily, but it still operates through the power of the Word. Or you might say, um, the Spirit-empowered Word. Okay? So Jesus is making Himself known to His disciples and preparing them for the continuation of His ministry. And I emphasize the word, He is there. This is not like a, uh, like a tag-team thing where Jesus is stepping out of the ring and He's tagging the disciples and saying, Okay, now you go do the best you can do and hopefully we'll get this thing done. Um, well, that's not exactly what's happening here. It's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. But now, it's going to be through uh, the, first of all, the apostles, and then through other believers, all the way down to you and I. So even today, Lord willing, uh, at least this is uh, my hope, my my aim always is is that what I'm doing up here is just continuing the ministry of Jesus. I'm I'm doing... uh, what he's given me to do, the, the role he's given me to play in that. And same thing, Monday through Friday, 24-7, that's the goal. Same thing for you, all believers, that we, as we live in this world, we portray Christ to the world. And we do that in various ways, but primarily, and what we're going to uh, focus in on this morning, primarily through uh, his word, his word being preached. But he's working now not himself in the flesh, but he's, he's not in the world, in the flesh, that is in the form of a man like he was for some 33 years. He was a man. When I say the form, I don't mean that he was like a man. He was a man. But he, he took on human form. He became a man. So, but that, that's, he's no longer in the world in that way. So now the kingdom of God is made manifest through the church. And God is, is reaching people. Um, through His people, all right? Christ is still at work. So every time that somebody repents and comes to faith in Christ, that is because of, of the work of God in their life, right? That's that's the Spirit, the work of the Spirit um, working inside of them. But there are certain ways that that comes about. I mean, God that God brings that about. He works through His people. So in, in some sense, you know, we're like a... Um, a mouthpiece going out there or messengers going out there and, and carrying the message of God. So I think that's kind of John's main point. Again, like we talked about last week, there's a transition taking place here, and, and a couple of things are working, uh, are at work here. One thing is the disciples are coming to understand better who Jesus is. I mean, it's fascinating here um, the, the way that these things play out. They, they, don't, they don't know him, but then they know him. And, and they're aware, but they're un, kind of unaware. I mean, no, this is after he's already appeared to them, so they know he's resurrected. And they're still, um, it's like they're still in a fog. And Jesus is little by little bringing through that, just like I talked about. We're going to see evidence of that again here. But just as we talked about last week, it's like, you know, the, when he was, just to use a metaphor, when he was crucified and dead... It's like that was darkness, night. You know, the, the the disciples are in confusion and fear and trouble. But then the break of day comes with the resurrection, with Jesus revealing Himself, with Him making Himself known. He's shedding light on the understanding of those who believe on Him. And where it really comes to um, fullness is at the Day of Pentecost, when God pours out His Spirit on all believers, and then. You know, you see a dramatic difference in the believers after that point because the Spirit of God um, awakens their understanding and begins to work through them in a unique way. And so uh, that's where it, that's where it really uh, comes to a climax, so to speak. But now as that transition is still in play and, and Jesus is making these appearances following His resurrection for the purpose of making himself known. That's what the word means there in verse 1. In fact, John uses it three different times uh, just in the, in the text that David just read. Twice in verse 1, after, the, after this or after these things, Jesus revealed himself, that is, made himself known, again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. And then John goes on to explain how he revealed himself. And then in verse 14, as John is closing out that little, um, that little narrative, he says, this was now the third time that Jesus revealed, was revealed, or, or again, made known, made known to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, why does John say this is the third time? I think because specifically he's talking about... Um, the 11, Jesus making himself known to the 11. And the first time is, is um, just to give you this, just for information, the first time is back in chapter 20, verse 19. It's on the, on the resurrection day, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, the first day of the week, chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. So there's the, there's the first time. And that, um, that particular event plays out through about verse 23. And then the second time is in verse 26, chapter 20, verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Thomas was not with them the first time. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, And said, "Peace be with you." And this, of course, is where he invites Thomas to um, to uh, touch him, put his fingers in the in the uh, the holes left from the nails, and in his side, and and uh, this convinces Thomas of the resurrection. And he responds by saying, "My Lord and my God." So that's the second appearance, or revealing the second uh, time that Jesus makes himself known. And now, chapter 21, verse, m- verse 1, and, and the, uh, the narrative that follows is the third time. So that's what John's referring to in verse 14. This was now the third time that Jesus made himself known to the disciples. Now, let's go to the, to the narrative itself. In other words, how does Jesus make himself known? You go back to verse 1. He revealed himself... In this way, Simon Peter, verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, uh, as Kathy was just asking me a while ago, if I was... If, if I was a fisherman, if I fished, really, no. But, uh, you know, those, those who do, those who are avid fishermen, um, that's their answer for a lot of things. Let's go fishing. <laughs> and, that, and that was Peter. Uh, you know, they're, they're still, and this, and this is what I'm wanting to point out here, they're still in this state of um, just not exactly knowing what's going on. So I, I would just phrase it this way. I don't want to overdo it. I'm not saying that they're, that they're um, totally confused or anything like that. This is after they have seen the resurrected Lord. But, but again, try, you know, we've got to uh, try to put ourselves into their position and into their mindset. And they're trying to process all this. For you and I, the idea of a crucified, resurrected Messiah... For you and I, that makes perfect sense because we've been taught it our whole Christian experience. We understand maybe our whole lives. Some of us grew up in church. Maybe we've heard about it our whole lives. So so we've been told for years or decades that Jesus came to die for the sins of his people and that he did that, he accomplished that at Calvary's cross where he laid down his own life to offer the sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself, a sacrifice that nobody else was qualified to make. He took on the form of a man to do that. That's John 1. He became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could die as a man, the perfect man, the perfect God-man, because he is fully God and fully man to die as the perfect God-man in our place, the righteous one, the spotless Lamb of God, being sacrificed to make propitiation for the sins of His people. And on the third day, after His crucifixion, on the third day He rose from the dead, which demonstrated that He had accomplished exactly what He came to do. In other words, it it showed that he had conquered death. Remember the psalm we read last week? You will not leave my soul in Sheol, the grave. You will not leave my soul in the grave. That was a prophecy concerning Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled that. He could not be left to corruption in the grave (laughs) because he was the sinless Son of God. And so he rose from the dead... And in doing that, it was demonstrated that he was indeed the Son of God um, who came to take away the sin of the world. So for you and I, that all makes sense. Jesus came to suffer, to die, and to rise again to accomplish atonement for the sins of his people. It's necessary. But for them, for these first century Jews, they're still trying to put all that together and process it, and and as I said earlier, it's really not going to all come together in their minds until after the day of Pentecost when um, the Lord begins to give them perfect understanding of all that has taken place. And so they're still living in um, a sort of dark time um, that again, I think John represents symbolically here in verse 3, they went out got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So this is taking place at night. Literally, historically, it's taking place at night. But I think um, that, once again, John uses that fact to portray, symbolically, uh, something that's, uh, that's taking place. In fact, you notice, and, and again, this is what we discussed last week, and you notice the next verse, just as day was breaking. So as, just as day is literally breaking, Jesus reveals himself. And, and again, I think some symbol, symbolism is involved there. That is, Jesus is making himself known. Light is once again shining into uh, the darkened understanding of the apostles. So let me point out a couple of things here concerning his revealing himself, just again to show that this is necessary. Um, they, uh, we are told, did not know who he was. Um, verse... Let mm, skip down here. Let me go back to verse... Let me start back in verse 2. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So here you have um, veteran fishermen fishing probably all night and uh, come up with nothing. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? Because again, he's already, he's already appeared to them two times prior to this. Why didn't they know that it was Jesus? Well, we can only guess, um, probably, uh, one reason is because it was night. And they were out on the lake and Jesus was standing on the shore and he yells out, Children! Do you have any fish? Have you caught any fish? And they probably can't see well, and perhaps, perhaps that's the only reason they didn't know, because of the physical darkness. Uh, maybe they couldn't tell from where they were. Um, I was talking just recently with one of my cousins who loves to fish, and he was telling me about an incident. He's not much younger than I am, but he was telling me about an incident when he was a teenager, and um, he and a friend went out on Wallace Lake, and they were so caught up in fishing, that uh, it got dark on them before they realized it out there in the middle of the lake. And he said, you know, um, in Wallace Lake, there's like no lights, period. <laughs> and he said, so, so we just kind of hunkered down for the night. We knew we couldn't find our way back. So we just, we just sat there in the boat all night. He said, the next morning, um, I saw headlights from the, from the shore and could hear somebody yelling and, he said, it was my dad. He was telling me this at, his, at my cousin's funeral, my, his, his dad's funeral. And he said, it was dad. You know, Just very early in the morning, he said, so we followed the headlights, got, got back to shore, and uh, he said, dad said, boy, is your mom mad. <laughs> 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 but, but they couldn't see, and that may be all it is with the disciples here that they didn't know. But he, whatever it is, if it was just because of the night or if it was because Jesus was withholding uh, understanding uh, from them at this point that even, even physically recognizing Him, um, whatever the case was, they weren't sure that it was Him. They didn't know. They didn't know. But John goes on with the narrative here. Again, verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? So he's calling out from the shore. And they answered, No. And he said to them, verse 6, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved. And who is that? John. We have have very good reason to believe that's John talking about himself. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. (laughs) Lights go off in the mine, And then Peter is also convinced instantaneously. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord... He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And I know it sounds odd getting dressed to go swimming, but um, <coughs> but it, it's, it's either to cut, cover... The word there can, can mean just like to, um, to take up your garment. It's sort of like they would do when they would run. Uh, so it, it may be that he had the garment on, um, but he had to um, kind of like tighten it up so that he could swim. Or it can also mean, just uh, the way that this translation reads that I just read that he was, implied that he was, uh, he was stripped as he was working and so he put it on for covering. At any rate, he didn't have too far to go and uh, probably um, probably didn't have to do much swimming. He could probably walk uh, through some of it. So he said, It is the Lord, and he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. In other words, he wasn't even going to wait for them to take time to get the, the, the fish into the boat and paddle ashore. Peter was headed for the Lord. That's always, I just always thought that was a great picture. As soon as, soon as he understands it's Jesus, he, he basically dives in headed for shore. He's going to be with Jesus. And especially when you think about what has just taken place uh, prior to this, not, not, not only the crucifixion, but, but you think about Peter personally, uh, and he is denying the Lord three times, and obviously the, the remorse that uh is uh tearing him up probably on the inside over that, so he knows it 's the Lord he wants to go and be with the Lord in verse eight, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. Now remember John starts out this little narrative by saying basically. Jesus revealed himself, that is, he made himself known in this way. In this way. And then he says, well, you know, here the, here we were, out in the sea, out in the lake, fishing. And Jesus is on the shore and yells out, do you have any fish? And we said, no. And so he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you've got to figure... you know. Surely they've done that, you know, because, I mean, they've been fishing probably all night. But for whatever reason, they don't argue. They just do it. And they haul in a large quantity of fish. So how did Jesus make himself known? Well, by once again doing a miracle, right? Another haul of fish, like he had actually done once before, earlier on, in, in, uh, in his earthly ministry. But I want to highlight here um, a couple of things about the way that he accomplishes this miracle um, and, uh, well, uh, and, then, and then how that would apply in, in, in terms of the continuing ministry of Jesus that, that is happening through the church. Um, so, so here's what I, what I think is, is taking place here, and I think this is consistent with really what John is saying all the way through and that is that He reveals Himself through His Word. Through His Word. In fact, I would say what made the difference in the disciples' fishing, and then this incident where Jesus you know, says, cast your net on the, on the right side of the boat, and, and they take in a great catch. I would say what makes the difference Basically two things. Number one, the presence and power of Jesus. And then number two, simply following his instructions. So he's making himself known through the power of his word. Specifically what I'm referring to is his command to them, to cast the net in verse 6, Cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And then guess what happens when they do that? Exactly what he said comes to pass. Because when he speaks and says something will come to pass, it does. Because his word, his word is powerful. Powerful. You think, for example, you know, one uh, one example we we you know, mention a lot of times is that of Lazarus. Isn't it interesting that Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb? I mean, you know, any parent knows a lot of times you want to get your child out of bed, you got to do it physically. <laughs> And so you think, well, even more so with a dead person, right? How are you going to get them up and get them moving? But Jesus has that power in His command. Fiat. He speaks. He commands. Let there be light, God says, and there's light, right? Or Lazarus, come forth. And so God moves things and makes things happen and makes alive through the power of His Word. Now, I said I think that's consistent all the way through the Gospel of John. I, I think that's why John starts out the way he does. In the prologue, in the beginning was the Word. The Word. Lagos is the Greek word there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, or John rather, John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What What is John saying? He's saying God expresses Himself much the same way, in one sense, you know, the same way you and I do. We express ourselves in our Word, in our speech. God expresses Himself in His Word, and He did that Perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ because He is the Word of God. So in the beginning was the Word, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and then John says in John 1.18 that He explained, that is Jesus, the Word, the eternal Word of God, explained God to us or narrated God to us. So again, God is communicating through His Word. Now, I think that's what um, the idea is here. In other words, again, verse 1, Jesus made Himself known to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and He made Himself known in this way. That is, He revealed who He is because they didn't know, right? They didn't know. He's calling out to them. They don't know who He is. And he made himself known this way. That is, he spoke to them, cast the net on the right side. They did it. They take in the great catch of fish. And now John says, it's the Lord. He has revealed himself through his power, operating through his word. Now, I want to do something here that's a little bit dangerous. Don't try this at home, <laughs> at least not without adult supervision, okay? Um, because once again, I, I think there's some, um, some symbolism here. And I, and I always try to be real careful with this kind of thing because um, I, I think it's, uh, it's it can be good. In other words, when, when you're looking at a passage and you think, you know, this... This, there, there seems to be some symbolism here and you're, you're looking at it. And, well, that's, that's fine and good and probably helpful if, as long as it's um, something that's clearly taught elsewhere in the Scripture. And for me, that's, that's kind of the rule. But if it were taking us in a different direction, then I would say you know, just throw it out entirely. Um, we don't want to over-spiritualize things. The, the, there's no code, okay? And it, and, you know, you hear the world talks about the biblical code and, and all that kind of stuff. There's no code. Um, God has plainly, which again is, is, is uh, uh, what I was just explaining here, God has plainly spoken to us in his word. Right? But I, th- there are obvious instances of symbolism, some we've already talked about, like the use of, of uh, the idea of night or dark and so forth. So, And you see that again here. So let me just walk through this whole story this way, because um, I do think there are some things represented here that we're going to see play out... Um, that we are seeing play out now and, and also will continue to um, in the life of the church. And, uh, and, l- and let me just add quickly, kind of give you a heads up, because my plan, to go, we'll probably, we'll probably, uh, probably next Sunday we'll, we'll finish up John, uh, Lord willing, and then we'll be moving, uh, my plans are to move into the book of Acts, uh, and you're gonna, we're going to see how the, the ministry of Jesus continues um, through the church. Through the church, through the early church, but it also continues right down to us. All right, so so let's let's do this um, because I think we've kind of got a living or or acting uh, active parable here. Uh, many many times Jesus would tell parables, right? But this is something that really happened. But it it seems to be there seems to be a lot of symbolism involved, and and um. This way, first of all. Um, let me go back real quick. We're just going to kind of walk through this quickly. First of all, Peter says, "I'm going fishing." In verse three, and they all go fishing, and they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Now, I'm, I'm thinking specifically here of uh, where Jesus specifically states the idea that I think is communicated here in John fifteen five where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5, second part of John fifteen five. He, there's where he talks about, you know, the, the vine and the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that's pictured here. And I think all of this about to show you here um, is, is looking forward to, uh, again, his ministry through the church, which is a continuation of his own work. So they go out and go fishing, which, by the way, I don't think was sinful or anything like that. A lot of times people um, preach this passage, and they say, well, you know, it looks like Peter was giving up on Jesus, and he just said, I'm going to go fish Or he's returning to his secular employment that he had given up, and, and, and so it's the idea of, like, backsliding. I, I don't, I'm not going to suggest any of that. I don't really think that's necessary. Um, I think they just again they're trying to process everything. They really don't know what's going on, and they're still learning some lessons. Jesus is still bringing them along, teaching them. But one thing is clear here: they go out um, using their own ability, their own skill, and they go fishing, but they catch nothing. Now, why is this significant at all, or why why would I think that it might symbolize something? Well, for one thing, because they were in real life fishermen. And Jesus told them early on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So this, this was a, a metaphor or an, an analogy that Jesus used for their own benefit to help them understand what he's doing. And John, who authored this book, uh, was one of the men, one of the sons of Zebedee, who was a professional um, fisherman, all right? So this is something that clicked with them, they understood it, Jesus used it. So first of all, here they are out there fishing without the Lord. And so I think what is pictured there, and again we'll see this play out, Lord willing, in the book of Acts, but I think what is pictured there is the necessity of spirit empowerment. And it's like I, I told you earlier, what's what's difference in right here, you know, here they are fishing and they're catching nothing, and then when Jesus says, cast the net on the right side and they take in a big haul of fish, what's, see it, what's different is the presence and power of Jesus and His, his Word being accomplished, being fulfilled, right, being, being uh, obeyed, carried out. In fact, that's the next point in terms of what I think is symbolized here. Jesus, that is, Jesus' word produces a catch. So, so what's pictured there when Jesus says cast an net on the right side and they do it, is the effectiveness of the word of God. Um, why, why do, why do we evangelize? Ronnie was did a good lesson on evangelism this morning in Sunday school. Well, some people say, well, because we were told to. And that's correct, by the way, that's, but that's just one reason. I mean, I would say there are several things that motivate us as Christians to evangelize. For example, uh, that's one, we're told to. But also, compassion. We, we want people to come to know the Lord. We want them to be saved. We don't want them to perish. So we care about people. That moves us to evangelize. Another reason is because we are confident if we're not, we should be. We are confident in results because God's Word is effective. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you share the Gospel, you're going to see results. There, there will be times that um, there will be results. You know, people will wind up being saved. You won't be around to see it. You'll never know about it. A guy tried to witness to me in, in um, Burger King. Um, Yeah, one of the finer dining establishments in the city. Years ago, I I was on my way to a bar to sing. He was a a Christian musician, um, uh, although he looked worse than I did, you know. But, but uh, at least my opinion, he played for a heavy metal Christian group called Philadelphia that used to be real popular around here uh, years ago. But he tried to witness to us. Uh, He asked what we were doing, where we were going, and, and we told him, you know. We told him where we were working and what we were doing. and So he started trying to talk to us about Jesus. Well, I've never seen that guy again since then. I've never forgotten that moment. And and I didn't, you know, I wasn't saved that night or anything like that. But I've never forgotten that moment. It did have an impact. But I've never seen him again. So that guy, uh, in fact, he would be clueless except that uh, my son ran into him somewhere and told him that story. And so... Uh, uh, you know, that's, I, I've never seen him again. Sometimes, sometimes people will, will uh, wind up being affected by, by what you say or do, and you'll never know it. And then other times, they just, they're just not, not everybody's going to be saved. I mean, they're going to continue to resist. But some will be saved. And that's what I'm saying when I talk about the effectiveness of the Word. God's Word will accomplish what He purposes it, purposes it to do. Isaiah 55, 11, right? That's what He says. My Word will not return unto me void. That doesn't mean that everybody who hears is going to be saved, but those whom He... Remember, Jesus said, all that the Father has given me will come to me. So those whom He purposes to save will be saved. How are they going to be saved? Through us preaching the Word. So we, we preach the Word because we have confidence in the effectiveness of God's Word. Jesus' Word produces a catch. It does what we cannot do on our own. At least not a, not a real catch. I mean, you can draw crowds, but you can't, uh, you know, people aren't going to come to the Lord with, apart from the preaching of the gospel. And then thirdly, uh, the catch is large. Probably picturing the scope of the word ministry. And again, we're going to see this play out in the book of Acts hundred and fifty-three fish caught here, John tells us. What's the number hundred and fifty-three represent? Absolutely nothing. You're correct. I just, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> we could, well, we could probably come up with something, you know, impressive, but nothing. That's just how many fish there were, and John's relating that. But it's, it was a big catch, and that's John's point. It was a big catch. So the net, you know, which here in our symbolism would represent gospel preaching, the net is thrown out and a large catch is brought in. That's assured by Jesus' Word. And, and the catch is large. In other words, there's room in the kingdom for all who believe. And by the way, fourthly, the catch is brought safely to shore. Now, earlier when Jesus does this, the nets are breaking when they're taking in the fish. But in this, in this case, uh, they don't. They hold, and they get them into shore. In fact, when you know, Peter jumps in the water to go to the Lord, well, John and, and the rest of the disciples, they, they are getting the catch in, and they get it to shore, and then eventually Peter winds up helping them, uh, helping them haul it in. And I think there's a picture there of God getting all of us, everybody that he catches, all the way in. And isn't that what Jesus says about three or four times in John 6? I will raise them up at the last day. In other words, all who the Father has given me, Jesus says, will come to me. He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I will raise him up at the last day. So everybody that's called comes. Everybody that's come is redeemed. everybody that's redeemed gets all the way home. There's not one going to get out of the net. Not one is going to be lost, which again is what Jesus says in John 6. All that the Father has given me, I should lose nothing, I, I, except, he says later, the son of perdition, which is Judas, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Nobody's going to be lost in the kingdom of God. Nobody that God intends to catch is going to get away, slip through the net, or something like that. One final, uh, no, I'm sorry, two final things here. Um, The catch is hauled in, now get this, verses 8 and 11, the catch is hauled in by men. What Jesus does not do, he could have, he could have, what Jesus does not do is command all of the fish to jump out on the shore. (laughs) What? What he does do is command the disciples to put the net in the water. And then he commands, when we don't have this recorded, he doesn't do this verbally, I guess, but I guarantee you it's his his command. Once they put the net in the water, he commands all the fish to get in the net. But he does not, you know, say, look, y'all caught anything? No, we don't have anything. Okay, wrap it up and come on in. And they all gather around on the shore and then Jesus commands all the fish to jump out of the water. Into the frying pan. That doesn't happen. The point is he uses the disciples to bring in his catch. It's his catch. The church is his. The church is his flock. It's his net. You know, the gospel preaching that's bringing them in. But he does it through the efforts of men. Again, verse 8. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish. I mean, they're laboring. See, God works. He brings the catch in through the labor of men. That's you and me. That means that you and I got to work. We got to work. We got to cast the net. And we got to haul it in. So, we, we cast the net. That is, we preach the gospel. Persuading people to be saved, with our intention anyway, and then we haul it in. That is, we, we help each other get safely to shore, right? I mean, we, we, the sanctification process is where we all work together, helping one another grow, grow in our understanding and, and um, worship of the Lord. So they, they dragged the net full of fish, and then verse... 11 says, So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. So men hauled the catch in. Interestingly, by the way, in, uh, in verse 6, verse 6, the last part of the verse, they cast the net, and they were not able to haul it in, okay? That word haul, note that, or drag, you may have. It, it's, it appears again, uh, not in verse 8. That's a different verb, but it's a synonym. But, but the, the, the word I'm referring to refers, uh, is used again in verse 11. And yeah, verse 6 and verse, verse 11. And it's the same word that Jesus uses um, in John chapter 6 when he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him or drags him, in other words, just like they're dragging net. It's the same word, interestingly. And then Jesus uses again in, in uh, John twelve thirty two when he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Uh, and, and another great picture of the catch, he, in other words, he draws all kinds not every single individual, but he draws all kinds of men to him, and so you 've got a great number, just like uh, in the in the net here, all kinds of fish so in verses six and verse eleven, he uses that uh, that same verb, haul or drag. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore, and then one final point here verse um, Let's see, verse 11 again. Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of, lo- full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. In verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Um, I think the old, the old King James says, come and dine. And I, I love that old song, you know, come and dine. <laughs> it's a good song. Come and dine, the master calls, come and dine. But, uh, but literally here it's breakfast because this is at the break of day. So Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. I think a couple of things are pictured there. Um, first is just God's provision, right? Again, the, the, the disciples were out there by themselves. They, they caught nothing, but, but Jesus causes this great catch. And by the way, when they get the catch to shore, Jesus already has some fish going there. So he wasn't even totally dependent on that. But he says, come and have breakfast. He's got breakfast ready. So you've got a picture of God's provision, number one, and then number two, just a picture of sweet fellowship. That is, you know, they draw in the net. The nets are brought in for what? I mean, what's the end result? Fellowship with the Lord. That's, That's what the song's talking about. Come and dine. Come and dine, the Master called call it, come and dine. You may sit at Jesus' table all the time, right? That's Revelation. Blessed are those, right, who are at, what, the marriage supper of the Lamb because that's where we're all headed. When, when the last fish is caught and Jesus returns, then we're all going to dine. <laughs> it's going to be better than... Better than Golden Corral. We, we, we did something we did. Uh, we haven't done in a long time. Yesterday was go to Golden Corral. And, you know, they got a big spread. Oh, this is going to be far better. Far better. And, and dining in the presence of Jesus. Now, finally, and, and we're done here. Verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. What did John say? This is how he made himself known. This is how he revealed himself. They didn't know it was him. Now they know. Because he spoke and they got to catch a fish. And he's providing for them and he's calling them into fellowship with himself. And now they don't dare ask, who are you? seems to imply that um, uh, I don't even know if it'd be right to use the word doubt. They have to know who it is, but but it's it's almost like they want to say, "Is it really you? <laughs> is it really you?" But they don't dare say that. Who else can do these things, right? Who else can say, "Throw the net out, and then it just fills up with fish"? Who else can have fish ready to eat without going fishing? who else would refer to them as children and call to them call them into sweet fellowship with himself they knew it was the lord jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so and so with the fish this was now the third time that jesus revealed was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead he made Himself known. You know what? He's still doing that today. Making Himself known to individuals. And He does it through the proclamation of His Word. That's, that's us casting the net. Jesus is the one that makes sure the fish get in there. We, but we got to throw the net out. We, we have to put the net out. We have to obey His Word. What Ronnie was saying in Sunday school this morning. We have to obey His Word. We have to cast the net. We don't have to, um, what word can I use here? We need to be concerned whether or not the fish get in there. But getting them in there is not our job. So if they don't jump in one day, you know, we don't have to be frustrated. We just keep preaching the word. Keep loving. Keep being compassionate and keep being concerned. Keep casting the net, and some will get in. In fact, in the end, it's going to be a great multitude of fish in the net. Isn't that kind of interesting, isn't it? We're the fishermen and the fish. Where <laughs> Would you stand, please? Thanks be to God for him making himself known. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. And now he's doing it through the church. Churches like us, Fillmore Baptist Church and the Church Universal. We're just a small part of that, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do still work. You're still powerful. You're still moving by your Spirit. You're still calling sinners to salvation. You're still making fish jump in the net. And Lord, we're thankful that we are privileged to be included. That we're privileged to be used in kingdom work. Casting the net. Hauling it in. And Lord, enable us to Be faithful in the labors that you've assigned for us. And may we have true compassion for those who are still lost. And Father, may we do all that we do, living in obedience to your word, to bring glory and honor to your name.